Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett coming to you from Hickory Ridge Community Church, and I am so grateful that you're tuning in today, and I know that you got a lot of things that you could be listening to, and many of you are driving home from work, and so I'm praying that you'll be safe, first of all. I'm going to pray that you'll be courteous, second of all. I'm going to pray, third of all, that you'll be walking in the Spirit, or should I say, be driving in the Spirit, okay? And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk on that subject of walking in the spirits. You know, the Trinity almost never comes up in songs that are sung by American Christians. According to a new study by Southern Westerlian University, in worship songs, churches mostly sing about Jesus. As a matter of fact, 68% of worship songs are about Jesus. Now, don't take me wrong. Nothing wrong with that. That's all good. Uh, With an occasional reference to the Father, about 7% of the songs that we sing at church are in reference to praising God the Father. Few, if any, mention the the Holy Spirit. 5% or less uh, of the songs that we sing mention the Holy Spirit. So the relationships within the Godhead only rarely make an appearance in the 30 most popular hymns or the 30 most popular worship songs. Michael Tapper, a professional of religious studies at Southern Wesleyan, says, In the music we sing, it seems like we're not as Trinitarian as we think we are. Well, today, I don't want to talk about the Trinity necessarily. I want to talk about walking in the Spirit. And I want to tell you today that if you walk in the Spirit, you're going to receive a blessing. If you believe in the Holy Spirit, you'll be surrendered to Him, and it will impact your entire life. Yes, your entire life. Listen, we need the Holy Spirit now more than ever before. Pastor David Hansen writes about our need to rely on the Holy Spirit. He says this, I live near a river. I fish in this river that is by my home. It's a willowy river basin, and it's home of mice and of mountain lions. From my kitchen window, I watch bald eagles and ospreys and golden eagles and hawks. These birds of prey ride the wind. It doesn't take much energy on their part. However, when geese fly, they must expend a lot of energy by flapping their wings. But birds of prey soar by catching the currents. Birds of prey seek thermals. Thermals are columns of warm air that rise from the earth and they're filled with energy. The birds glide on the heated currents of the air. A good thermal can lift that bird up into the sky without as much effort as flapping his wing. He just puts his wings out. From their higher place, they can see more ground. They can fly longer and further. And when the time comes to dive in on their prey, they can plummet with great speed. This Pastor David says, as I watch these birds, I think of ministry. I too seek thermals. The Spirit lifts, gives vision, direction, and power. Ministry is riding on the free winds of the Spirit that lifts us to heights we cannot climb on our own. We can't stay in that air very long on our own strength, but we can seek thermals. Our soul wings are made large, and that we might be able to catch the spirits. Well, today, I hope that you will catch the importance of walking in the spirits. 1 John 5.19 says, We know that we belong to God, but the evil one controls the whole world. We also know that the Son of God has come and has given understanding so that we can know the true one. And our lives are in the true one. And in his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and he is the eternal life. Now, I want you to know that before you can be a recipient of the power of the Spirit of God residing within you, 
you got to be born again. Listen, when you are born again, the Spirit of God takes up residence within you. The Spirit of God actually indwells you, indwells in the temple, our body. You know, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. As we look at the Spirit of God living within us, we are to love the Lord with all of our hearts, that's our emotions, all of our mind, that's our intellect, all of our strength, that's all of our will. Now, Satan wants you to have the will of a rebel. He wants you to be filled with pride, and this will rob us of God's power. What does the devil want us to do? To be independent of God, to be independent of the Spirit of God. What does God want us to do? To surrender to the Spirit. Many of you know D.L. Moody, and D.L. Moody many years ago was having a campaign in England. An elderly pastor protested. He said, we don't need this Mr. Moody. He's uneducated. He's inexperienced. Who does he think he is anyway? Does he think he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? A younger, wiser pastor rose and responded, No, he doesn't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Mr. Moody. I want you to know that if you surrender to the Holy Spirit and you allow the Holy Spirit to have complete control of your life, D.L. Moody also said the world has not yet seen what can happen to a person is totally surrendered to the Holy Spirit. You know, religion attempts to modify external behavior, teaching us to live within cultural standards. Living in the Spirit, however, changes us internally, gives us a different motivation, teaching us to live within biblical standards. One day, D.L. Moody, as he was speaking to a large audience, held up a glass of water and he asked, how can I get the air out of this glass? One man from the back shouted, suck it out with a pump. Moody replied, well, that would create a vacuum and shatter the glass. After numerous other suggestions, Moody smiled, picked up a picture of water and filled the glass. There, he said, all the air is now removed. He then went on to explain that victory in the Christian life is not accomplished by sucking out all the sin here and there. It's accomplished by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul said to young Titus in Titus 1.10, there are many rebellious people. They're filled with meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. What is Paul saying to Titus? Paul is saying, just because you're religious doesn't mean that you have the power of God upon your life. So this begs the question, how can I live the Spirit-filled life? Well, Paul gives us a hint in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Brothers, he said, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men. Well, here is how we can be living a Spirit-filled life. Number one, we've got to receive the Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 tells us that you shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So there's a connection here between the Holy Spirit coming within us and the Holy Spirit giving us that power. It's synonymous. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witness. Now, this is such an important point. And I don't want to rush past this too quickly because 
Some of you will only look at the front part of that verse and say, look at me, I'm going to be like Superman. I've received the power of the Holy Spirit. But Paul here, or Luke rather, is recording here what's happening in the early church. And he says that when this happens to you, you are witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. You know, the story is told of an elderly woman named Narina. She lived in southern Florida. When a hurricane hit that area, her home was was one of many that was severely damaged. Narina received an insurance settlement, and the repair work began. However, when the money ran out, so did the contractor, leaving an unfinished home with no electricity. Narina lived in her dark, unfinished home without power for 15 years. You see, my brothers and sisters, the astonishing part of this story is that the hurricane was not Katrina, but Andrew, a hurricane which struck in 1992. She had no heat in her home. When the winter chills settled over southern Florida, she had no air conditioning. When the mercury climbed up into the 90s and the humidity clung around to 100%, she did not have one hot shower. Without money to finish repairs, Narina just got by with a small lamp and a single burner. Her neighbors did not seem to notice the absence of power in her home. Acting on a tip one day, the mayor of Miami-Dade got involved. It only took a few hours of work, but electrical contractor Kent Crook came and brought the solution. CBS News reported that Narina planned to let the water get really hot and take a shower at first, and what they had to do is just simply connect her to the power. You see, the electrical contractor refused to make that final connection because the money ran out. It was just one simple thing that had to be done. Now now tell me, how many Christians, true believers, have been living their entire lives without knowing what it is like to have the overwhelming power of the Holy Spirit operating within them? To be quite frank, I believe that some of us had that power turned off for so long that we would not even recognize if it came back to us. When I look at Acts chapter 8, I catch that story where God provides the New Testament church with new power, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, but they had to receive that Spirit. They also had to, secondly, believe the Holy Spirit. Why is it that we struggle to believe the Holy Spirit? Why, why is it that it seems that we have this lack of continuous transformation in our lives? 1 John 3 kind of gives us a hint as to why we are struggling to believe the Holy Spirit. John says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be isn't completely clear yet. We do know that when Christ appears, that we will be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. So all people have their confidence in Christ, keep themselves pure as Christ is pure. Now, I don't want you to miss this because it's very clear that John is telling us that the transformation that takes place continuously is flowing through a life of purity. This is the confidence of Christ as we keep ourselves pure as Christ is pure. Why is the world so embracing immorality? Because they haven't been transformed. Why should we as followers of Christ be leading the charge and keeping ourselves pure? because we've been transformed by the power of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, that's why we never give up. 
Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every single day. So lack of continuous transformation is why we struggle to believe the Holy Spirit. Lack of transformation and lack of information is another reason we struggle to believe the Holy Spirit. Let's look at 1 John 2, verses 4 through 6. The person who sins breaks God's law. Yes, sinning is living against God's law. You know that Christ came to take away the sins and that there is no sin in Christ? So anyone who lives in Christ does not go on sinning. Anyone who goes on sinning has never really understood Christ and has never known Him. Lack of information. You see, when you became a believer in Christ, you didn't just get a get-out-of-jail-free card. You got a stay-out-of-jail-free card. In other words, you don't need to go back to that old lifestyle. You have been changed. You are in Christ, and Christ is in you. And Christ is very clear and says, anyone who goes on sinning has never really understood Christ, never really known Him. There's a third reason why we struggle to believe the Holy Spirit. We talked about lack of transformation, lack of information, but there's also a lack of motivation. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Being determined to be a man of God or a woman of God. Do it with gusto. Do it with seal. Do it with enthusiasm. You know, you only have one life to live for God. Once you die, you can't serve him anymore. I mean, we'll be serving in heaven, but you don't have that opportunity to share the gospel in heaven because in heaven, we're already all converted. We are told in Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever presents itself to you, do it with all your might. Don't you love that? All that might. Because there is no work, no planning, no knowledge or skill in the grave where you're going. So in other words, work hard now for the glory of God. Be motivated to serve him because once you die, all working will cease. Well, we've learned so far that we are, are not believing the Holy Spirit because of lack of transformation, lack of information, lack of motivation, and then lack of dedication. Mark Hatfield tells of touring Calcutta with Mother Teresa and visiting these the so-called house of dying where sick children are cared for in their last days, where the poor line up by the hundreds to receive medical attention. Watching Mother Teresa minister to these people and feeding and nursing these people uh, left by others to die, Hatfield is just overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of the suffering that she ex- is exposed to and, and her co-workers face every single day. He asked, well, how can you bear the load without being crushed by it? He asked Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa replied, My dear Senator, Mr. Hatfield, I am not called to be successful. I'm called to be faithful. Oh, if if we could understand the grasp, uh, the depth of being faithful. You know, the Spirit clearly says, 1 Timothy 4, it doesn't make it cloudy. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, believers will desert the Christian faith. What are they going to do? They're going to follow spirits that deceive, and they will believe the teachings of demons. These people will speak lies disguised as truth. Their conscience has been seared 
as if it was branded by a red-hot iron. They will try to stop others from getting married and from eating certain foods. God created food to be received with prayers of thanks by those who believe and know the truth. Everything God created is good. Nothing should be rejected if it has been received with prayers of thanksgiving. Oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, many times it's not the lack of the power of the Spirit, but it's the lack of our dedication to Christ. Well, today we've talked about how we can walk in the Spirit, how we can have the power of the Holy Spirit. We do it by receiving in that initial conversion. We do it by believing. You know, believing that the Spirit can live within us and can make a difference in our lives. And number three, we do it by surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Now, now how do we do this? We discover that the Holy Spirit becomes our source of growth in life. John 7, 37 says this, On the last and the most important day of the festival, Jesus is there standing in the temple of the courtyard, and he said loudly, Whoever is thirsty... Let him come to me to drink. As the scripture says, streams of living water will flow deep within the person who believes in me. Jesus said this about the spirit whom his believers would receive. The spirit was not yet evident as it would be after Jesus had been glorified. Now now notice what Jesus is telling these disciples about the coming of the spirit of God. And he's talking about that spirit of God is growing in us much like you give water to a plant and it grows. Growing things need a constant source of water. Growing Christians constantly drink from the Word. We also discover as we surrender to the Holy Spirit, because it's that source of our growth, it's also the source of our glowing. In John 15, a very famous passage, the vine and the branches. Jesus said, I am the true vine and My father takes care of the vineyard. He removes every one of the branches that doesn't produce fruit. He also prunes every branch that doesn't produce fruit to make it produce more fruit. In other words, he cuts us back so that we'll be more productive. You are already clean because of what I've told you. You're not saying you got to get born again. You're already saved. We've got to do some pruning, but we don't have to cut the whole tree down, right? We're just cutting back some of the branches. And then Jesus says this, live in me. I live in you. A branch cannot produce any fruit by itself. It has to stay attached to the vine. In the same way, you cannot produce fruit unless you live in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who live in me, while I live in them, will produce a lot of fruit because you can't produce anything without me. Okay, I'm going to grow because of the water of the word. I'm going to glow because I'm attached to that vine, and I'm going to produce much fruit, but I'm going to give good glory back to Christ. Oh, what a great time we've had today learning about the Spirit. There's one final point we've got to cover. We've talked about receiving the Spirit. That takes place at salvation. We talk about believing the Spirit. That is an ongoing process. We talked about being surrendered to the Spirit this ongoing transformation to be more like Christ. And the last thing we talk about today is walking in the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how do I keep walking in the Holy Spirit? Let me give you four things real quickly in the remaining moments of our time together. Number one, keep craving the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness 
for they shall be filled. You think about relationships. Relationships that aren't constantly being craving each other will begin to die. That's why if you're married, I want to give you a challenge, okay? If you are married, once a week, would you take your spouse out for a date night and and go to a place where the two of you can connect with each other, have some good dialogue, some good conversation? You know, my wife and I, we love to go out to eat together. And, uh, and a lot of times we go out to eat together. We probably do it several times a week uh, just because of the craziness of our schedule. And one of the things I love about going out to eat, uh, we always get a booth, right? And, and we sit across from each other. And, and that way we can see eye to eye. And sometimes I say to my wife, says, honey, uh, let's put our phones away, right? Because uh, I don't know if you're like me. Uh, we are both, uh, both my wife and I, we are addicted to our phones, right? And we're in constant communication uh, with our staff and, and with our church membership. And we love our people. And, and we're so grateful that we can be in constant contact with them. Uh, but every once in a while, I said, okay, let's put the phones away. And let's just focus on our relationship. Craving that time together, that time of uninterrupted fellowship together. Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness. Why? Because they are going to be filled. So I want to tell you this. You're about as spiritual as you want to be. You ought to pray, Lord, give me a desire to know you. Give me that craving to have a relationship with you. So we're going to walk in the Spirit. We've got to keep craving the Holy Spirit. Number two, we've got to keep confessing our sins. You say, why do I need to keep on confessing my sins? I thought all my sins were covered at the cross. The past, the present, and the future sins, all forgiven. Well, let me give you the analogy of of a husband-wife relationship again. Now, I want you to know that the reason that God gave us husbands and wives relationships is because that was the best way he could come up with to show us how much he loves us. You know, we are told, husbands, to love your wives as Christ loved the church. You say, man, I can't love my wife. Well, try to love her, love her like Christ loved the church. Well, I can't do that. Okay. Well, Paul says, love your wife like you love yourself. You know, nobody had to teach me how to love myself. Now, so many times we say, well, you just got to learn how to love yourself. I tell you what, I never had to learn that. I came out of the womb uh, learning to love myself. Every single one of us love ourselves. Uh, that's why we get so down. Why are you so down? Because you love yourself and you're hurt and you think that nobody cares about you, right? Oh, just get over yourself, right? You know, you think about humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is not thinking about yourself at all. It's putting others ahead of yourself. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. So we got to keep confessing our sins, not because they haven't been taken care of. They were taken care of on the cross. But it's like your, your relationship with your spouse. My wife and I, and I hate to say this, have gone through times where we were not communicating with each other. And we were giving each other the silent treatment. Now, I know you people listen to me. Uh, you think I'm much more spiritual than I really am. I, I want you to know that I probably got the same struggles in my marriage that you have in yours. My wife and I have gone through times where we were not talking to each other. And, uh, and finally, one of us will humble ourselves and say, you know what? I'm being a real jerk. I'm being a real idiot. And say, honey, would you forgive me? Now, now most of the time, that's me because I'm the more ornery one in the relationship. And, and most times, me say, hey, honey, I, I just, you know, my, my tongue got engaged faster than my brain. And I said something I ought not to have said. And I said, honey, would you forgive me? And she says, yes, I will forgive you. And uh, she's always been very gracious to me. I'm so thankful that she's always been gracious to me. 
And, and then we have that time of, of reconciliation, right? Uh, we have taken care of that sin. We've confessed it. And the same is true. The, the relationship was broken. We were still married, but the relationship was broken. But now, because we confessed it, we're put back together. Here's the third step. Claim the word of God, right? We proclaim when we claim the word of God. Number four, we keep being confident in prayer. Now, here's a verse I want to close out with. Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to, to debauchery, which leads basically wild, riotous living. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that when you ask the Spirit to fill you, God will answer that prayer. This is the confidence that we have as we approach God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He hears us. So whatever we ask, we know that we will receive. Why? Because we're confident in prayer. We're asking in His will. So be confident that God is going to answer that prayer. Well, as we close off our time, I want to pray. Lord, fill us with your Spirit. Help us not to go after the the lust of the flesh. But Lord, help us to be filled with the Spirit because your Word tells us when we're filled with the Spirit, we'll not be gratifying the lust of the flesh. And so we come before you today and say, Lord, we need an extra dose of the Spirit of God today. And may that Spirit of God fill us and push the sin out of our lives. And may we walk in the fullness of this new relationship as we are reconciled with you. And we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.